Have you ever felt a bit like a ghost in your own home? What I mean is that you may be more of an apparition in the eyes of your stepkids and new in-laws because they seem to act like you're not even there. In today's episode, we learned about three key concepts, ambition, drive, and hard work. These concepts are the meat of Marcus Ogden's book, The Success Cycle, Three Keys for Achieving Your Goals in Business and Life. What's the connection between an apparition and Marcus's book? Well, while the face of the book is Marcus, he's got a ghostwriter. Can you guess who it is? It's his wife, Barney. I can't help but make the leap to step-parenting here. There are very few step-parents I know who would describe being a step-parent as living in the limelight. In fact, step-parents often feel overlooked similar to us not necessarily knowing who the ghostwriter of a book is. Funny, though, how when things go wrong, it sometimes feels like family members and exes think of you as a haunting ghost clanging chains of chaos traipsing through the house, terrorizing the family. You're seen as the one who has changed everything. This tension of losing what could have been and moving towards God's best for your blend can cause relationship snafus as everyone's emotions are on overdrive, caught up in confusing situations, clashing values, and communication miscues, losing focus of what's really important. Marcus and Bonnie remind us that our identity is not what we do or the roles we fulfill. I asked Marcus, how would you describe your identity when your circumstances, when significant circumstances like that occur being in the limelight of the NFL or being at the top of the heap where you where you said your ego was growing as your business was growing how much did your circumstances impact who you thought you were as a person your identity oh it was everything i mean when you make a lot of money you have fame you have notoriety you can easily get misconstrued or misled that that is important and it really isn't because money fame notoriety can be gone in a minute. When that's gone, like, let's take Tom Brady, right? He's phenomenal. He's got a ton of money. He's got a lot of success. But as he starts to age out and he's just newly retired, he'll see it in five years, 10 years, 15 years. He won't be as sought after as he is today. And that's, it, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, we had Joe Nemeth on our podcast. Joe was phenomenal. Back in the 60s and the 70s, Joe was Mr. Everything. Right today, Joe is almost 80 and Joe is, is he still sought after? Absolutely. People loved him all around. Is he sought after like he was in the 60s and the 70s? Absolutely not. Because that's just the way life is. There's a new Brady. There's a new Joe Namath. And so what I tell people is your identity needs to be caught up in the law of value and the law of authenticity. The law of authenticity states the best gift you have to give is yourself. And the law of value is give more in value than you take in payment. If you can live your life by those two creases, I feel law of value and law of really being authentic is what really plays, I feel, on your ability to really keep your identity in check and really keep it to where it's not about who you are or what you have. It's about who you are at the core, not who you are as a um, as a, a job or a career or a persona, because all that can fade away just like that. You may be asking yourself, how does an NFL football career apply to blended families? 
Or how can it help me to listen to somebody who's experienced the fame and fortune of a great NFL career and exciting business ventures? Well, it wasn't always this way. Marcus struggled too. He had a number one construction business for a while, and then he actually ended up filing for bankruptcy. In addition, when he first began blending with his wife, Bonnie, things weren't easy. In fact, Marcus shares that blending is one of the most difficult things he's ever done. Today's episode helps you understand that regardless of what life sends your way, you have a choice. You can lay around on the sofa and mope and blame, or you can take a moment, lick your wounds, and then get to work. Do the hard work. I like how Marcus puts it. If you don't have purpose in life, you're going to go through life aimlessly, which if you're going through life aimlessly, you have no strategic plan. And if you have no strategic plan, tactical execution becomes almost impossible. Now, if you've listened to Step Family Mission Possible for any amount of time, you know that is music to our ears. We're all about helping you build a blended family legacy. Look, there's lots of stuff in your step family that may feel impossible. But as Marcus says, if you don't have purpose, if you're going through your life aimlessly, you don't have a strategic plan. And tactical execution in blending is learning how to deal with the challenges of a high-conflict ex-spouse, alimony, child support, or the challenges that your teenagers are facing as they blend in your family. It can feel impossible. Yet we know that all things are possible with God. Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. We're so glad you're here. Blending is hard. Let's make it easier together. Eight plus years into our relationship, we had vowed to stay married, but our starry-eyed courtship quickly got sucked into a dark hole of confusion and chaos, especially when the kids were with us, and resentment and anxiety grew when they weren't. We learned the hard way that our happiness as a couple was distinct from our happiness as a blended family. We weren't crazy, but many days we felt completely out of our minds. We needed clarity and hope. We didn't need to keep talking about our problems in therapy or chat with a counselor, and we certainly didn't need another lawyer. We needed to stop the pain. But how? Marriage retreats and conferences focused on traditional marriages and strategies, and while it seems like those tools and tactics would work, they simply didn't transfer over into our blended scenarios. What we needed were tools to equip us to deal with the complexities that we were experiencing. So many things were new. So much was unknown. How do you deal with a difficult, high-conflict ex-spouse? How do you deal with differing values in each home? How do you handle when you live in one state and your ex lives in another and you're fighting a custody battle? Look, we know that it's important to protect our marriages and help our kids blend without heavy expectations and a whole lot of conflict. We need guidance on how to handle discipline and acknowledge the confusion that's in our new roles without experiencing a whole bunch of shame. We don't need any more toxic situations and we certainly don't need any more toxic people. The last thing that we need is people telling us that we knew what we were getting in for. Hey, we didn't know. And if you're in that same situation where you're wondering what you got yourself into, you're in the right place. Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. Blending is hard. Let's make it easier together. 
Meet Marcus Ogden, business consultant and former NFL player. Marcus grew up in a single-parent home with a father that inspired perseverance and fairness. Marcus learned how to define his values and set goals. From 1998 to 2002, he played Division I football at Howard University. He then followed his dream and his brother Jonathan's footsteps, eventually getting drafted into the NFL in 2003. He played for five teams as an offensive lineman. He played with the Titans, Bills, Ravens, and Jaguars. Following his NFL career, he started Caden Premier Enterprises, a multi-million dollar construction firm. But in 2013, it all crashed down when Ogden got involved in a bad business deal. He lost everything. Marcus became a speaker to help others succeed where he failed. He's an executive coach and a corporate trainer. His passion is to create value for every client. On a personal note, we'd like to thank Marcus for his generosity of time and his demonstrating perseverance while providing value to us here at Step Family Mission Possible. Our first recording episode was met with yet another snowstorm. For some reason, in Missouri this year, the snow continues to fall at unprecedented rates. Okay, that's really not scientific. I don't know what the rates of snow are, but it's been snowing and cold here a lot. So Marcus, thank you so much for staying with us and coming back again so that we could learn from your experience. Thank you for your generosity of time, for your encouragement, for your humor, and for sharing a bit about your story and a peek behind the curtain of what it was like for you when you were blending your family with your wife, Bonnie. All right, let's get started. And P.S., if you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Thanks so much. I'm going to throw some words out there, and I'm going to invite you to say the first thing that comes to mind or the first thing that comes to mind that you want to share. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. Fresh chum. Ocean. Mentorship. Guidance. Football. <laughs> Athlete. You probably have a bunch of words to come. Give us one more besides that one. <laughs> Super Bowls. Okay. And success cycle. Ambition. Ambition. Okay. All right. I know that there are many people familiar with your story, Marcus. However, uh, there are probably some people out there who can benefit, even if they've heard it before. So I wonder if you'd share a little bit of your story with us. Sure. So I'm originally from Washington, D.C. Uh, I went to St. John's College High School, where Kevin Plank, who owns Under Armour, went to high school. I then went to Howard University to play football for the Bison, where my father went to college. I grew up in a single parent home. Our parents divorced when my brother was 14 and I was eight. And our father raised us by himself. I ended up having a really close relationship with my father for my entire life till he passed away. And then after my time in Howard, I went to the National Football League and played for almost six years with the Jaguars, Ravens, Bills, and I finished off with the Tennessee Titans. So I was an AFC guy all the way. I really enjoyed my time in the National Football League. I enjoyed my time as an athlete, as a teammate, as a player, as a mentor, as a guy who would try to help anybody that he could with any props that they had. And then after that, I got out of the NFL and I struggled immensely with addiction, alcohol, gambling, nightlife. 
I didn't know what to do next with my time. And finally, after about six months, I found my construction company, Caden Premier Enterprises. We became the largest African-American subcontractor in the area of site work and site development in the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland for two years. But unfortunately, as my company grew, so did my ego. And when my ego grew, I lost a lot of my best employees. And then that was a really bad job. I ended up filing a chapter seven complete bankruptcy in 2013. Well, I started the process in 2013. I was so broke. I couldn't actually file until 2014. I uh, couldn't have the money to pay it off. And I ended up restarting my life moving to Raleigh. At that time, I actually became, I started dating my, my girlfriend, who became my fiance, who's now my wife, who had an eight-year-old daughter, Ava, who I ended up becoming her stepdad in 2015, officially when my mom, when her mom and I married in May. It's been amazing, but you know, we had to fight through a lot of these hard times financially, lost job-wise, lost faith-wise, didn't really know what to do. And trying to get my speaking career going after I had my spoiled milk moment where somebody trash and rotten meat and nasty protruding garbage over my body, my skin, and my clothes, that was really a hard push. That was a hard sell. And so I needed to get myself going. That was a lot of things to fight. And finally, that moment got me on the right path. And I said, we could try to become a speaker, help others. And I started the business, but I didn't get a paid job for two and a half years. Finally got my first paid job in April, 2016, been coached, been developed. And now six years later, I've worked for over 35 Fortune 500 brands as a speaker. We have three best-selling books. We are have our, our podcast that we're globally ranked in the top one and a half percent. We've really got some phenomenal things going, but I'm a guy who's had to struggle <laughs> to get where I'm at. And at the same time, I was a guy that struggled along the way, trying to be a boyfriend and a fiance, then a, then a husband and a stepfather, along with those times of, of issues and financial troubles and hardships. So it was really tough. It's great today. My stepdaughter is now 18. She's now looking at colleges. I would think she's going to probably go to UNC Charlotte and then maybe want to transfer out potentially to State or Chapel Hill. We'll see. But yeah, so now it's great, but it was not always that way. Wow, Marcus. It sounds to me like you are no stranger to adversity. I would love to hear what were some of the, the impetuses along the way that kind of kicked you in the butt and said, come on, let's get up and fight through this? I remember after I got fired from two jobs in the same week, Merrill Lynch and a construction company, my wife, Bonnie, told me I had one day to sit on the couch and mope, feel sorry for myself, wallow in my self-pity. Come tomorrow, morning, you got to get up. You got to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And you got to move forward and you got to get going. And you can't just sit around and you can't just wait for things to happen. You have to go out and make them happen. So that was really my first process that got me going. And the spoiled milk moment was the over-the-edge push that, Marcus, you got to make the change now. I was 32 years old at the time. I turned 33 in a couple of months. And I said, if you don't make a change today, your whole life will be just right here. It's going to be always blaming others. It's going to always be with someone else's fault. And you're just going to sit here and always say, what if? 
And I feel that's a horrible saying to say in life. What it, what it, and I didn't want to make that my life. I'm curious to know, how would you, how would you describe your identity when your circumstances, when significant circumstances like that occur, being in the limelight of the NFL, if you will, or being at the top of the heap where you're, where you said your ego was growing as your business was growing. How much did your circumstances impact who you thought you were as a person, your identity? Oh, it was everything. When you make a lot of money, you have fame, you have notoriety, you can easily get misconstrued or misled. That is important. And it really isn't because money, fame, notoriety, can be gone in a minute. When that's gone, let's take Tom Brady. Like he's phenomenal. He's got a ton of money. He's got a lot of success. But as he starts to age out and he's just newly retired, he'll see it in five years, 10 years, 15 years, he won't be as sought after as he is today. And that's it, that's just the nature of the beast. We had Joe Nemeth on our podcast. Joe is phenomenal. Back in the 60s and the 70s, Joe was Mr. Everything. Right today, Joe is almost 80 and Joe is, is he still sought after? Absolutely. People loved him all around. Is he sought after like he was in the 60s and the 70s? Absolutely not. Because that's just the way white is. There's a new Brady. There's a new Joe Namer. And so what I tell people is your identity needs to be caught up in the law of value and the law of authenticity. The law of authenticity states the best gift you have to give is yourself. And the law of value is give more in value than you take in payment. If you can live your life by those two creases, a couple of the laws as well, laws of compensation, laws of influence, and laws of receptivity. But I feel law of value and law of really being authentic is what really plays, I feel, on your ability to really keep your identity in check and really keep it to where it's not about who you are or what you have. It's about who you are at the core, not who you are as a, as a job or a career or a persona, because all that can fade away just like that. So we all have to have a life purpose, you would say then, Marcus. Correct. If you don't have purpose in life, Bill, you're going to go through life aimlessly, which if you're going through life aimlessly, you have no strategic plan. And if you have no strategic plan, tactical execution becomes almost impossible. Yeah, I think one of the things for our step families that they may not consider is that business principles and life applications for how you behave when you're outside of your step family actually apply within your step family. One of the things that we offer is a membership that provides this step-by-step identify what your goals are as a family. Then you break it down into deciding what's important to you. And we actually do start with your values because your values are foundational. When we come into a step family, I bring my values and Bill brought his values and the kids bring their own and they're flip-flopping every time they go back and forth between each home. So I'm curious to know for you what your experience was when you were blending your family. What kind of value clash, if any, did you have at the beginning? Because when we first talked, you said it was a little challenging with Ava and now your relationship at 18, where she just celebrated her 18th birthday. Things are really great, but we have a lot of listeners who are struggling in their relationships with their stepkids. Yeah, it's hard because the clash was Ava never had a guy around like Bonnie dated before me and her ex he actually moved back to Taiwan. So when they broke up, she always was Bonnie all the time. And so Bonnie was a teacher. 
Bonnie did Zumba, Bonnie did a lot of great things to support Ava. And it was just her and Ava. So when I came in the mix, it pulled away time that Ava spent with Bonnie. And the clash that we had is that I was young and I was struggling. My curse, I was fighting for Bonnie's time. And of course, Ava was young fighting for her time. And I actually remember one time I told Bonnie, I said, hey, look, we're just not meshing. We're clashing all the time. Ava's just not really feeling this. I said, for the betterment of you and Ava, if you want to go ahead and break up now and just not continue to try to make this work, I understand. No, no harm, no foul. I love you. Your daughter's not going anywhere. I don't want to make this something where you have to choose. You said, well, no, Marcus, I choose both of you. Ava's not going to be able to run you know, my life. I love my daughter, but I had to be happy also. And I didn't find someone I could spend time with. And like you said, I want to have more children with the right person. I think that person is you. So we worked through it. And what I found is Ava was really clashing because when they moved to Baltimore, Ava left behind all her family. She was close to her cousins, her, her aunts, uncles. And we moved back down here after my bankruptcy which actually probably had to be the best. The bankruptcy was the worst thing for my business and for my mindset, but it actually would be the best thing for my relationship with Bonnie and Ava. Because once we got back here, Ava had her cousin. She had people that she knew in school. She had her church group. Bonnie's parents were here. So it made everything a lot better. And once that kind of settled down, then we were able to get on the values of family. And, and I wasn't really close to my family at that much, too much of my family at that time anyway. So Bonnie's family kind of became my family. And we just, you know, worked through the dynamics. And then she, after a couple of years of Ava, getting to the groove and, and then when she got to middle school and of course, when she got to high school, got a group of friends and all those things, life got better. And I supported her, taught her how to drive, all these other things. And like I said, today it is what it is. And now we have this great relationship. Like for example, her car died yesterday. I spent $900 for her car yesterday. But like I told her, I said, look, can you, I mean, this is your car, you're 18, you probably should pay for it. You're working, trying to get yourself going. I said, look, I'll pay for this and just take care of your car, get your oil changed, all that, you take care of that. But I'll pay this big bill because I want you to get, I don't want you to have to take up all your savings or lot of it anyway, to pay for something that I can easily pay for. And then I think that's how much we have today. I think back in a couple of years ago, I probably when we first met, it wouldn't have been that easy, but now it is. But again, the listeners have to understand it takes work. It, it's not going to happen overnight. It took me years with Ava to get us where we're at today. So it's not going to be, hey, I'm a step parent. Hey, it's going to work out. Because again, you got to remember, you're coming between the daughters and sons and parents. You have to make the children feel that it's a collaborative effort, not you stepping in and causing a wedge between their parents and themselves. I think that is where a lot of step parents struggle, that they come in and they're unsure of what their role, or going back to that conversation we had about identity, they're unsure of their identity. Wouldn't you say, honey? Yeah. And what I like about your story, Marcus, and for all the adversity you went through and concurrently all the success you're enjoying from the learning of that today, I know you've told us that blending was one of the greatest challenges that you ever went through. Oh, absolutely. Blending is absolutely hard because it's not just you. It's not just your spouse or significant other. It is everybody involved. So if you don't have the ability to make everybody involved feel that they're part of the overall dynamics, it's not going to work. You have to learn how to ease and, you know, adjust and flow your way into the relationship. You can't come in barreling like a bull in a, in a, in a cabinet, in a China cabinet, trying to get everybody to 
to fit to your way because that's not going to work. Especially when you have young children, it just doesn't work. They're used to having their parents by themselves and you're coming into the mix. You have to be the just. I remember for the longest time, Ava slept with Bonnie. And then when I came in, like, you know, we had to wean her off of that, which was hard. And it took a process because she was eight and Bonnie was, we've been sleeping together the last three years every, you know, every night. And so to make that adjustment, it was hard. I tell everybody, Again, it's not a simplistic, hey, here it is, process. And it's not going to happen overnight, but you have to figure out what is worth fighting for and what you just say, hey, you know what? This is going to take some time. Let me not even go there. And this make, and, and choose your battles wisely. Yeah, what's cool about that too, you just told us, Marcus, that you were at a point where you were ready to give up. And it was actually your wife that continued, put down the uh, the gauntlet, as it were, and said, nope, we're going to work through this. And it, it does take at least one to say, look, there is no end here, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It takes someone to be able to say that this is worth fighting for. And that's what, that's where Bonnie had to make the call. It wasn't, Ava wasn't my daughter. Ava was her daughter. So if Ava was my daughter, I would expect Bonnie to come to me and ask me, and I would have said the exact same thing. It's not going to happen this way. But <laughs> You have to be willing to sometimes ask the tough questions. And if you get the answer you don't like, it, I know it stinks, but hopefully you'll, you won't get that answer. But it's better to know because the last thing you want to do is try to be with somebody where you just feel it's not working. And an individual feels that it's not going to work either over the long run. That's why you need to ask that your significant other, what do they think? Because if Bonnie felt it wasn't going to get any better, that it was made the best for me to say, okay, this is not going to work and we're going to move on. But when you ask that person and they say yes, then you need to figure out a way to fight through the challenges. Yeah, it really does build up your mindset. And mindset is so important, regardless of whether you're working on your family or you're working in your business or you're working on writing a book. Share with us a little bit about your book writing experience. How was that for you? Oh, it's great. It's really phenomenal. My wife is my ghostwriter. So we're a three-time best-selling author. The first two books were ours on our own. The third book, we were a co-author of a book called Pivots, Persistence, and Game Changers. And it was really exciting because we were able to write about our chapter of our life. And that book became a bestseller. So it was awesome to be part of such a phenomenal book with some great authors and some great people from like musicians to actors to phenomenal speakers and coaches, but really elevated our brand to the next level in that regard. But again, like anything else, it's a process. Like you just don't wake up and say, hey, I want to write a book and I haven't done it in a week or it, it doesn't work like that because it takes time. It took us probably about 12 to 18 months for each book to write it completely and have it edited and have it reviewed and then pick the design and then get it ready to be published with ISBN number and then get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And it's, it's, it was just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it makes me think of how important it is to start with the end in mind and the end in mind is that you're going to have a finished book so that you can keep your eye on the target for those times that it gets rough for you doing those putsy things. I don't know anybody who would say getting an ISBN number, that's a load of fun. <laughs> oh my God. Yo, you have to call and you have to do this and build this out of that. And so it's a lot, especially if you go the self-publishing route. Woo, 
it is a lot. Now going the publishing route, it's easier, but then you're giving up half your royalties also. So you got to figure out which way makes most sense. I tell people, I'll go with the publisher is hard because they get so many book requests constantly from people. And if you don't have something special or you don't have a standout story, or if you're a celebrity like Michelle Obama or Barack Obama, you can do that. But if you try to just be somebody that's trying to write something, going through a publisher, especially one of the, like the upper echelon ones that I went through and I got through them through a referral, like Penguin, Random House, Post Hill Press, Simon Schuster, like they're going to be really hard to break in with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good advice. Good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> book writers right here. We, yeah. We've been dreaming about a book for a little while individually, not collectively yet. I don't know if we want to write together. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> awesome. Hey, so let's talk about these success cycles. I, I listened to it on Audible and really enjoyed the book. I wrote down three keys, ambition, drive, and hard work. Can you share a little bit about how those might apply to us in our staff families? Yeah, you have a step family. You need to be ambitious and create a blueprint of what do you want to achieve, right? Everybody has to be on the same page, the parents and stepchildren, everybody involved. Because if you don't involve everybody, then someone's going to rebel. So you need to have ambition and bring everybody together to create a plan of action. Drive. Everybody has to be inspired, not motivated for the short term, inspired for the long haul to make this work for everybody. You have to do that because if you're just going to be motivated for the short term, it's going to burn out and fizzle out. So you need to be inspired about who you are, what you're going to do, how you're going to get this done and be focused in that regard. And then the last thing you have to do is hard work. Focus on yourself, not just everybody else in the house. Don't look to blame somebody if things go wrong. So that's what I had to learn with Ava. It wasn't, I looked at my, I, I would always blame her. Like it's her fault. She was young. Why is she always trying to tell me what to do? Or why is she always saying she didn't want to be here? That's her fault. It's her fault. Now looking at it, well, maybe I could have approached it better trying to involve her more and not trying to jam down her throat that she can't sleep in our bed. Or maybe I could have been better at adjusting smoother. There's things I probably could have done a lot better and a lot more smoothly to make Ava maybe not feel so rebellious or so standoffish. Again, I said, when we got to North Carolina, things got better. And I started to do more and be more. And then when we, found, when we told her she was going to be a, a, a sister, uh, that we were going to have a daughter, that also really got her excited because she wanted to be, and she was the only child at the time, and she wanted to be an older sister. So when we had Farah, she was really excited, which really also helped to bring the family together. When we got married in 2015, the next year, Ava was born, Farah was born in 2014. When we got married in 2015, I think it was really, it was great for Ava to see that it was a family and not just we're boyfriend, girlfriend, or we're, we're engaged. We're actually now husband and wife. And I think that's something also that Ava, you know, could see and could see was more, it was, again, it was inspiration with the law of not just that we're together and we have a kid for the short term. It was more of a, a real lifetime commitment. So Marcus, you mentioned that everybody has to be on the same page, but we all know too, in any organization. The organization seeks equilibrium and sometimes that leads to chaos or rebellion, right? It does. Be, and so given that you and Bonnie were on the same page, what's the process for patience for Ava here? Because she's not where you are and that's got to be frustrating for both of you. That's got to be frustrating in different ways, but still frustrating. 
how is it, how can you talk to the stepdads out there, or, or let's just say the non-bio parents, the step parents, what's the practice of patience look like in that rebellion? Remember that young children, their minds aren't developed as much as adults. So sometimes when you try to bang your head against a child's mind, they don't process things the way we do. And because of that, you need to understand that you need to be a lot more patient and try to figure out what the child's likes are and pattern recognition. So once we got here to Carolina, watching different shows, maybe like Jesse or doing certain things she liked to do or playing certain board games she liked to play or showing her how to play cars or take her to see some certain movies she liked at the time. And she got into like watching A, which is like this little like murder mystery for like teenagers. And she got into Princess Diaries and all these different things. I started to then adjust more and watch those things with her. And as that pattern, as I picked up on the patterns, things she liked to do, that's when I was able to say, okay, this is how I'm going to relate to you better. So I'm going to try to build a connection bridge with you better. And it worked. And now here we are, you know, as we got into her teenage years and things like that, she did really well as far as grades and friends, and she didn't get into trouble and a lot of that stuff It worked. And now here at 18, you're going to go to college, things like that. I'm there for her, but I don't, I don't, she was with friends, all that type of stuff. We're very lenient parents. Now don't take that and go overboard, but like we're lenient as far as going out with friends or doing that kind of stuff, or she has a car and all the type of stuff that we don't ask her about where she's going to be home a certain time. That's fine. And because of that relationship, I feel. It's great. And there's been no issues, no type of things that she's been doing wrong, but patience comes in learning how to adjust to people this way. You don't think about what's going on in that regard. Yeah. I think about when you're going, you're, you were talking earlier about your speaking engagements and that you're going into different companies and you've been in a bunch of large companies recently and have events coming up. Yet I'm pretty sure that no speaking event is like the next speaking event. There's certain things that you do in advance of an event to prepare. I wonder if you shared a little bit of that and as our listeners hear it, to frame it in the step family mind that in preparation for blending, right where you are right now, no matter how many mistakes you've made, like if it's all gone to crap, it's okay. Today's a new day and we can begin again. So what kind of things do you do to prepare in recognizing the differences between the places where you're going? So basically every day is a new day. Every speech is a new speech. Every client has different needs and every client is going to have certain lingo that's going to speak to them over other clients. And that's what I had to learn in my speaking business, that nobody's going to, even though I'm telling the same custom suit story about myself, I'm going to focus on different parts of my life that you're going to speak to that client. Same thing as being a step parent. You had a bad day yesterday. It's okay. Today's a new day. Right. It's like I saw a quote uh, about being a dad, you kind of a father. It was, it was like a Father's Day quote. The great thing about it was the thing about being a dad is it's, being a dad is like shaving. No matter how good you do it today, you're going to have to do it again tomorrow, no matter how good you do it. So, same thing with being a step parent. No matter how good you do it today, you got to do it tomorrow. You make a mistake, that's okay. It's a new day. Parents, step parents tend to dwell in the past. And there's something I learned uh, that helped me become less anxious. You can't change the past. The future's not here yet. Be in the present. And if you're focused on the present, then listen to this audience. The future will come towards you. You can't go to it. 
So it's like, you don't move through time. Time moves through you. So wherever you are, focus on the present. And then the future will work its way towards you. That's critical. Oh, that's a good word. Although I would like a DeLorean. I think that would be cool. <laughs> Go back to the future. <laughs> I would love if I did. If, if Doc Brown could do me, take me back to the time, I'd be all, I'd be all about it. <laughs> okay, you open it up. So if you could go back in time, is there one thing that you would change? Mm. Honestly, in my life, no, because if I hadn't had the, pro the problems with Ava, like getting used to her, then she might have thought that I was like trying to just maybe, I don't know, be full of it. And she would have like said, oh, you're just trying to do this to win me over and stuff like that. Because Ava's very smart and uh, always has been. So I think if we didn't have things to work through, I don't think our, our relationship will be what it is today. Because I think she would have thought I was always just trying to get one over on her fooler and it's just not who I am. No, I don't think I would, anything I would change whatsoever. What's your favorite thing about when you look back on your football career? What's your favorite thing about your football career? Being drafted from Howard University to the National Football League. I'm the only offensive lineman in, in, in Howard's history to be drafted from Howard to the NFL. So that's something I'm very proud of. And I really hold that in high regard because I went to Howard to be an investment banker and to follow and continue the bloodline of my father and be an author playing football at Howard. And it was a dream come true for me, him, my brother, my entire family. When I was actually drafted from Howard University, saw my name on ESPN, saw all this stuff happening, and then I actually made it to the NFL. So was that one of those sitting on the sofa moments where you received the phone call? Is that how it goes? That's what it was. All right. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. I was wondering, getting back to your family, how, what are the differences in the way that you're raising Farah? Now, what did you learn from being a stepdad that have been influenced how you're raising? I've learned to be a lot more patient. I've learned to be a, I could be on the same page with Bonnie and parent together, not against each other. Learned how to spend time with Farah like I did with Ava because time goes fast. And if you blink your kids, but here's the thing, nobody really knows how much time you have on this earth. We really don't know. As you go out today, you get hit by a car. You don't know. And unfortunately, if you spend your entire day worrying about, again, the past or the future, not even the present, you will spend your life stressed out, anxious, and living a life that I call unfulfilled because you're never enjoying the moment. So being a stepdad taught me how to raise Farah the way I did with Avon the best I could, but I also became better because I got older, got wiser. Also, we were in a bad, not when she was born. We were the, we were still in a bad financial position when she was born. But now where I'm at today, we're able to do more. Like we're going on vacation in April as a family for Disney cruise. It's awesome. You know, me, uh, Bonnie, Farrah, Ava, one of Farrah's, I mean, one of Ava's friends and uh, some of her cousins and my, my mother and father are coming. We were able to do that stuff when I was young, when, when Farrah was born and Ava was younger. So I've learned how to enjoy life more. And that's big because if you work your entire life and you're not enjoying it, then again, like I said, you know, yeah, we great prayer at the beginning, Bill, because again, he hides us behind the cross and he shields the best he can. But 
You know, life is not promised. So I tell people all the time, just don't waste your day or don't waste your energy on the small stuff. If it's something big you have to fight for, or I get it, but don't let the small stuff get in the way. So I've learned how to let things go versus when I was younger, I didn't do that very well. You know, that's, that's such good advice, Marcus. One of the things I know I've been learning is how to remove distractions. We talked about purpose and so many distractions in this life and just with your busy life, with the way that you first faced adversity and now you've had success in business, but you also, you can be high and mighty in business and come home to a house that's in shambles. If you're not careful, that's something where I admire that and, and I imagine You've had to learn to be with your kids, focus on what's important and get rid of what's not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, you can't win every battle. You shouldn't want to win every battle. Every battle is not worth fighting. You learn how to pick and choose. That's the relationship now that me and Bonnie have. Because we used to fight a lot, like just this, nitpick, finances, time, intimacy, this, that. It was like fire and ice. We'd be great for a minute, pure fire. It was cold as ice and we'd fight with speak for a couple of days. I've gone through this, everybody. So I'm not here to say we're perfect now. It's always been that way. There's times where I didn't talk to my wife for a week or a couple of days. And, and that was literally the wrong way to do it. Today, we have spats. Everybody does. It's, I try to, we don't, we minimize the word hour two. We, then we come and talk and we figure it out and go from there. Because again, life is short. Focus on what really matters and don't get caught up in things that don't matter because it's just not worth fighting for. Just be very astute and be very wise and pick your battles where you feel that you need to make your ground stood. If you don't think you need to ground, you need to stay in your ground. Don't even bother starting with war or starting a battle because it's not worth it. I like that. And, and again, as a leader in your home, Marcus, and we're called to be leaders in our home. It sounds to me like another thing that you, I know you've talked about in your books concerning business. But I know you've, you've probably had to do in your home as well is not only know what battles are worth fighting, but focus, remove the obstacles, as it were, the things that we use as excuses to not do the work that we're called to do. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. You're going to have obstacles. I, I heard this great quote. You're either coming out of adversity, in adversity, or you're ready to go into adversity. It's just the way it is. It's just life. So just because obstacles come, it's not an excuse to throw the towel in. Have the mindset that's a bend, but never break mindset. Yes, your mindset's going to bend, stress, anxiousness, life. Again, like paying for Amos car yesterday. I don't like spending $900 just on something. I just don't like doing that. Do I have the money? Yeah. I want to spend it on something like that. It is what it is. And so before I've been like, oh, buys and today, I'm like $900 gone. What are we going to do? Not pay the guy who fixed the car. I'm what we're going to do. <laughs> He's got calls too. So what I try to do is just not focus on things that I can't change. I try to focus on what I can do best. I try to focus on what I need to do for my family. And that's what I do. And I'll talk about the same thing on that listening. Just focus on what you can do and what you can't control. Don't worry about it because I was watching an episode of Good Times yesterday. And it was the one where James or James Evans Sr. had, uh, they thought he had hypertension. 
from all the stress and the anxiousness. And he entirely had high cholesterol because he ate a lot of fatty foods, but the stress he was under with life and bills and this, it drove him to a point where his family thought he was sick and needed to go and get help. And that's what stress can do. Stress mm -hmm. is probably, of course, cancer is horrible in every sense of the word, but stress probably kills more people than cancer because you don't even think about it. It causes aneurysms, it causes heart attacks, it causes all types of you know, blood clots, it causes all types of damage. So if you can't change it or you can't control it, don't stress about it. That's what I'm trying to do in my life today. If I were to summarize some of the key points, I heard one, teamwork. It's so important that you and your wife, Bonnie, are on the same team. Yep. And uh, that you have a game plan, that you have a vision for the direction that you're going so that you, that you want to parent together effectively. Okay. And uh, that even though there are a lot of things outside of our control, we do have a lot of influence. And I think that's for blended couples together, especially if they're dealing with a high conflict or toxic ex-spouse or ex-family member, they really struggle and they question the control that they have in their own home and in their own families. Yet, Despite that, they get to decide what they're going to do and erect a boundary that protects their family and focus on the influence that they can have regardless of any outside influence. And then the final thing that I heard you say was, hey, pay attention to what's going on with your kiddos and what they need because each one has a unique need and has different interests. The way to build relationship with them is to spend time with them. That can look like watching a show or any of those things that you mentioned. But it's really, if I were to categorize that, I would say it's more about creating traditions and rituals that you all come together as a family so that you develop your own family identity, if you will. Correct. You develop your own family mission, your own family mantra, you develop your own way of doing things. And once you have that way of doing things, nobody can take that away from you. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, um, I've, I've got one more question for him, but I'll let you go first. I'm going to save mine for the end. Is it this one? Uh, yeah, it's that one. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do you want to ask him that one? Are you going to take that from me? I don't have to. Oh, go ahead. It'll come better from you. I love football, but uh, you love it even more. And he grew up in Boston. He's a big Tom Brady fan. He's still crying over uh, the fact that it's over. <laughs> uh, it's a long time. <laughs> it is a long time. You predicted that the Bengals were going to take this game 31-24. What did you think of the game? I thought it was great. I think the Bengals for three and a half quarters did a great job. Problem is, just like being a parent, like being a step-parent, like trying to get on the same page, you have to go all the way. And the Bengals did not play the last half quarter the way they need to play. They let the team score on that last drive. The offensive line held up for three and a half quarters on Aaron Donald. That last half a quarter, they just took plays off. They got tired. They got beat. And they just didn't finish. And the Rams finished the game. And so again, kudos to the Rams, but the Bengals should be disappointed because if they would have played another half quarter, they played the first three and a half quarters, they would have won. Just like people listening, you're going to be a step parent. You're going to get, you're going to say, I do to somebody that has kids that aren't yours. You're trying to make yours through being a step parent and taking that kid on as your own. You got to go all the way.
Don't go three quarters, three and a half, three and a third quarters. Go four quarters, finish 60 minutes, be all in. Otherwise, it can crack and fold, just like the Bengals cracked and folded and lost that game at the end. Yeah, do you think that the fact that the Rams were in the game three years ago had anything to do with that? I think the Bengals were just young and they had they had didn't have a lot of experience in big games and Joe Burrow needed that game to be able to learn how to deal with it. I think he'll get better overall. I think the Bengals have a really huge upside that they've got to fix their offensive line. They don't fix offensive line. They are going to, they're never going to, I, I feel they're not going to win because I don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be staying. He got, I saw this morning, so was put on faith. He was sacked 70 times this year. Seven. Wow. Seven zero. It's amazing still standing after the hits in that regard. So kudos to him for being a tough guy because to get sacked 70 times, he was sacked nine times versus Tennessee and seven times versus the Rams. So he was sacked 16 times in two games alone. Wow. Wow. That that is sometimes what it feels like to be a step parent. Get that right. Those big dudes. You got that right. (laughs) Hey, Marcus, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Step Family Mission Possible. You have been a champ in all sorts of wonderful ways. Thank you for your encouragement and your support and your advice as well. And we wish you much success. You too. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thank you. Well, already then, that is definitely a wrap. If you're looking for Marcus's latest release or to book him for an event, you can find out all the details in the show notes or go to marcusogden.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-O-G-D-E-N.com. All right, y'all. If you liked today's episode, would you share it with a friend? Thanks so much.